This is Total Retail Tech Insights. The content retail executives need to optimize their use of technology throughout their organizations. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Total Retail Tech Insights. I'm Joe Keenan, Editor-in-Chief of Total Retail. I'm joined on today's episode by Juliana Prather, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of Edited. Juliana and I will be discussing a little bit about kind of the current supply chain environment for the retail industry, uh, as well as how Edited can help uh, retailers in this regard. So thank you for joining me today, Juliana. Oh, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to start by familiarizing our audience with yourself. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your career, your professional background, and uh, your role at Edited. Yeah, thanks. I recently joined uh, Edited. So it's the first time I've really been on the tech side of retail, but have had a career where I started an international business working with brands like Givenchy and Nine West, and then moving to strategy and marketing for uh, the many brands under the Liz Claiborne group, from Lucky Brand Jeans to um, Juicy Couture, and then I've worked with a lot of startups. And so along the way, have really seen the growth of omni-channel, um, changes in consumer demand and tracking the customer journey. So to be part of a tech company whose entire mission is pulling that data that we used to track in spreadsheets and struggle with into predictive and easy to use formats and really partner with retailers to solve problems is a lot of fun for me. So I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, and you bring that unique perspective. Obviously, uh, you know, you just kind of outlined a little bit of a, your career on the retail side, so you bring that that lens as well, which is, I, I would imagine, very helpful in your current position. Oh, completely, because you can understand the pain points. You know, this isn't really about playing with AI and the next step in data because it sounds cool. It's really about can people make better decisions? Can retailers focus on the product, not on spreadsheets? Uh, and then what AI has been able to do and how people are using machine learning and even this idea of humans interacting with machines, the fact that that can be really relevant to a leading manufacturer of intimate apparel is really interesting. Yeah. So um, the next then would be uh, tell us a little bit about what Edited does. Obviously, um, your work with retailers, you know, considering our audience and uh, kind of the value proposition that you can offer them. Yeah, so Edited is in the category of retail intelligence, and we're at this point the leading global AI-enabled data and insight SaaS platform. And when we started just over just about 10 years ago, it was a combination of a woman who was working in retail and her partner who was an engineer. And the original idea was, could you pull market data faster? Could you get people information about pricing, marketing, uh, colors, number of SKUs, sizes in stock? Could you pull that from the web? Um, could you track that and really bring it to people's fingertips so you didn't have to have five interns running around trying to find out what was happening? And over time, and working very closely with the first retail partners they were working with, they were really able to develop one of the fastest, most reliable ways to pull in that market data. So it's now at this point, over 4 billion SKUs across 140,000 retailers in over 120 countries. 
So if you're Burberry trying to go into the Middle East, you can see exactly what the pricing competition is going to be by country. Uh, if you need to plan your assortments, you can actually look at what um, your track history is and what your competition is doing. And as we were developing better and faster ways to create dashboards from this kind of data, we acquired a company who was doing the same thing, but with companies internal data. So we call that enterprise data. What if, you know, and we all have our favorite Tableau, SAP, um, ERP systems, but what if you could get everything you needed in one dashboard and for the retailer, put it next to maybe this market data. So if you could see weeks of supply, pricing margin, um, even the sorting and ranking of your products with the customers voting for on your website, could you make better decisions? Could it be faster? And what people found in the last three to four years is it's very expensive, even if you're a large global brand, to build that internally. You're not a scientist. like, And even if you hire lots of scientists, is that off track for you? Should you really be um, getting a SaaS system that can do that for you? And if if you combine it with the market data, you really have a lot of powerful trend information in front of you. Yeah, I think the combination of, to your point, what you call your enterprise data, the, the retailer's own internal data, along with this uh, holistic um, industry viewpoint or industry data source, uh, provides really a powerful combination. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the current supply chain environment. Obviously, there's been you know, it's mainstream news at this point, um, the, the, the disruptions that we've seen in the global supply chain, obviously impacting retailers. So just, uh, you know, interested in your take on, on kind of the current environment and what you're hearing from brands and retailers. Yeah, I think one of the things that some of the main news channels have missed is when you talk to retailers from large to, you know, small startups, it's disruptive in very particular ways, very granular ways. So it's not just disruptive like one market shut down, right? It's across some of your suppliers across the world and they might be shutting down or slowing down for different reasons. There's some plants closing in China because of some environmental and energy goals. There's Vietnam who was shutting down for a couple of weeks because directly because of COVID. Then some ports are slowing down at different rates. Vancouver's entering product at a different weight than Los Angeles. Then you add consumer demand. We can talk about a really fun example in a second for the holidays about pajamas, but consumers are buying different things at some incredibly faster rates. So you still have our usual, you know, the consumer drives the trends. And then you add omni-channel grew at twice the rate. So during the last 18 months, everyone knew e-commerce for big retailers and brands was becoming more important. It grew at twice the rate. And in some of these retailers, big investments in their retail leases some were working and some were not because of the COVID disruption. So it's a very, you know, Joe, you've heard these stories too. It's very yeah. um, uh, complex, right? This is multiple levels and some brands are really winning. This is a huge opportunity for them. And again, that seems ironic. Yeah. And, and we're going to, I, I want to touch on some of those brands. I think you've got some great examples, uh, Juliana, of some brands that are, that are winning in terms of supply chain, but I think you bring a good point as well. And it's very, it can be on a granular level. And I think there's kind of two parts to it too. It's not only getting product, 
you know, in throughports and to your DCs, that's, that's part one. And that's no, that's no, <laughs> that's a challenge unto itself. But then also you mentioned the omni-channel behaviors of consumers now and how that's dictating where inventory has to be and the flow of inventory across an organization once it arrives and once it's accounted for within your distribution centers, that's a whole nother challenge as well, right? Absolutely. And, you know, it's not like, you know, it, it's not that it would be better for us, but if it was just, okay, the customers voted, I'm never walking into a mall again, it would lead people down one set of maybe straightforward decisions, but that's absolutely not the case. People want consumer experience. They want to run in when they need something. And, you know, supply chain, one of the things people aren't necessarily thinking about at first glance, it's extremely disruptive to sizes. So for apparel and footwear, intimates, this is crazy. Your sizes being broken is really difficult to service your customer. And if your sizes are broken and some of those, your stock is somewhere between this warehouse and maybe if you're a large footwear retailer, you could be in over 13,000 retail locations. Where that product is makes a huge difference to your customer, um, to how you can win against your competitor. And I mean, you can just go down the list, right? What your marketing strategy is, et cetera. Yeah. So asking, I'm going to ask you to kind of look ahead a little bit, um, not too far in the future, <laughs> considering that we're, we're, you know, weeks away here from the, you know, we're closing the end of the Q4 holiday season in the next couple of weeks. And then we're right into, into uh, 2022 and kind of that reverse logistics that you talked about sizing, obviously with more and more purchase activity occurring online, there's going to be more return of products. So that adds another layer of complexity to yep. supply chains. Tell us a little bit about how you see the environment potentially shifting uh, in the new year. And if you do see major shifts, um, or even if it's just kind of status quo and the complexities that exist now are carry into the new year, how retailers might be able to address some of these issues. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about one fun example, because it's almost Christmas. So let's talk about, and the holiday shopping, let's talk about pajamas for a second. So we're seeing two or three funny things here that are impacting retailers. And, and quite a few retailers, by the way, sell pajamas more than you think. So we're seeing um, a consumer demand tick because now pajama bottoms for millennials and Gen Z for the last nine months have suddenly become daywear, right? <laughs> so there you have a consumer trend, which is kind of funny. You just have to see people walking the dogs in New York and you know it's true. Right. So, right. But pajama bottoms started selling out before um, retailers who were buying you know, sourcing their pajama bottoms, many of them in cotton, which has also had some disruptions and some price increases. So pajamas are traditionally heavily promotional item that you could get at a discount in the holidays. Um, pajama sets have had a 206% year over year increase in selling out. That means you will not find pajama sets if you wait to the last minute for Christmas. Um, pajama bottoms, 140% year over year increase in selling out. So there's a couple of ways that, okay, if you're the retailer two weeks for Christmas and you were going to tell Santa's bringing pajama sets, what are you going to do? So there's a couple of things. The reason you need to really get granular and have easy ways for your teams to see data is you've got to go, okay, first of all, where are my sizes? Um, do I have the sizes to run this promotion? Um, and if I do, where are they? And then does my competitor have sizes? So if my sizes are broken, can I do an email to customers that I know specifically about 
who wants the sizes I do have in stock? Can I focus the promotion on them? Can I find out if I have more size range than my competitor and then market louder to sell what I have and try and get some market share? right? Should I offer pre-order and gift cards because I can't meet everybody's demand and I'm going to get in front of it and tell all the people who want to buy pajama sets that we've got them for dad and we've got a gift card and a special gift for mom, you know, so can you react to it? You can only do it when you're, you know, 10 days away from the holiday. If you've got information so your team can focus on being reactive and not chasing the information. In your example, of, we're going to talk a little bit more about this further in our conversation, but in your example, which I think is a really good one um, in terms of the pajama sets and um, is what does that mean for pricing too? As you, as, as this product is sold out and there's the demand and the demand is out, outpacing what you have in terms of uh, supply, how does that impact pricing as well? Um, yeah, a hundred percent. This is one example we've seen, and this is a good one to go into what do you do for next year? We've had several of our clients um, this year and, and really Joe, big, big clients, CEOs at the CEO level really worried about what's gonna happen to margins. If they keep promoting and their stocks are off, what do you do? You know, They just came off of a year of low footfall, high inventory. Now they're moving to low inventory or disrupted inventory uh, you know, and high footfall if they had low footfall last year. Um, so they built their calendars on, well, I should promote at this schedule, but they're also facing price increases, right? Cost of cotton, uh, high cost of trucking. Um, one of the best techniques we're seeing that's actually creating, if you can believe it, higher margins for these retailers right now is if they have the data in front of them, they can go, wait a minute, uh, this kind of product, if I have the sizes and I'm not broken and I have what the customer wants, I don't have to promote it. I can offer um, the guarantee that the size will ship within a week. I can offer my most loyal customers uh, and repeat customers shipping offers, but I don't have to discount that product because I have the sizes and my competition doesn't. Yeah. Um, if you don't promote, you can cover the co your increased cost. So you can actually go inflation's up by six, maybe with cotton, I should be raising my prices by 10%. If you end up not promoting, believe it or not, you more than cover that 10%. And yeah. so then you're the brand who didn't have to raise their prices, right? But if you are broken in sizes and you're, you know that you're gonna win with your competitor on these three products, but not on these other three, then promote and promote fast, get that inventory turn, get it out because the other piece in supply chain disruption, which we're gonna hear a lot of retailers talk about is disruption means you're gonna get stuff at the wrong times. There's gonna be a lot of party dresses arriving in January. Um, yeah. And what do you do about that, right? So again, when do you promote it? When do you hold it? Uh, you know, but also TV shows like Secession are having people dress up more. So do you create um, what we've seen some markets do like Alibaba do really well? Do you invent a holiday? <laughs> Tell everyone that you should be dressing up for Valentine's Day. Right. Prime Day, you know, inventing holidays. And then there's, there's the demand there for that. Um, and I want to get into that. I think you raise a good point about kind of out of season product arriving in stock. Uh, and I have a question on that, but I do want to follow up. Um, I think you have some great examples of 
of brands and retailers that that uh, edited might be working with that have done a better job at navigating this kind of disruption that we've seen in the supply chain? Is there one or two examples, Juliana, that you might be able to cite? Yeah, we have a couple fun ones. Um, one we'd love to talk about, one of our partners is Mango Global Retailers, you know, really felt that they, uh, and big investors in retail locations. So they were in their true omni-channel channel strategy, you know, excellent digital team, but really have retail locations all over the world. Um, they really felt that between supply chain, the change in footfall, inventory, they were not going to be able to get their traditional best sellers in front of the customers in the same way. Um, so they knew they needed to go after that combination of controlling and messaging correctly their sizes and their promotions, but also that they should um, add some new types of products that they were going to have to compete and sort of add to their game. But that's a big risk for retailers to suddenly say, I'm going to launch a new category of product. Like you're the CEO, you heard, I need more loungewear or I need more pajamas, as we were talking about. How are you going to do that and not have a lot of risk, right? How, how do you, you can't afford to have a failed launch and manage your shifting traffic to all these retail stores. So in their case, they were able to use our competitive market data to see exactly what price they should go out at, what fabrics they should be using, what colors were trending and purchases. They could really go, we gotta take all the risk out and get this launch to go fast. They did, their new collection Comfy has been highly successful for them and made them rethink about how to get faster with fast fashion. Yeah, that's a great example. Um, you called out um, out of season product and potentially, you know, because the, the supply chain, this is one aspect that may not be, might not be being talked about enough in terms of arrival of goods and when is it in season? Obviously, fast fashion is a great example of that. Um, are there instances and, and possibly if so, what are you hearing from retailers? What should they do when an out of season product, you mentioned, you know, cocktail dresses that are arriving in the middle of the winter that may be better that are sold in early, you know, uh, that are out of season. Um, product that's stuck somewhere in the supply chain, what should retailers be doing about that and trying to alleviate that problem? Right. So there's, there's so many layers here, right? For people who are really, particularly, I would say in the apparel uh, and footwear case, right? Where um, you've got a couple layers. Let's pick two of them. One of them is coordinated outfits, right? So the famous top to bottom ratios, which um, true to the heart of any fashion merchandiser. So the theory went, you could sell at a certain cadence, your history for years showed you that if you had for your brand, some brands have a, let's call it their magic numbers, two to one, they need two tops for every bottom. If that is their cadence, they built all their promotional things around their shop looking like that. That's what the ads look like. That's what the pictures look like. That's the matching colors. You've got to see in real time, if you got the bottoms, but not the tops, you have to make a decision. Are you promoting the bottoms? Are you holding the bottoms? Um, yeah, those are the two biggest ones, right? Holding or promoting um, yeah. or do nothing. That's what I guess why I was like confused for a second. The do nothing <laughs> option. Um, what people are finding is you've got to know what your customer has been voting for now because 
your tried and true five-year history that led you to that two-to-one formula, honestly, retailers are finding that their history is a little bit out of date in this kind of environment. They've got to see if customers are more interested in that bottom if it's in their size, is more interested in that bottom if it can be matched with something else in the store, and are less interested in the ad poster in the window, right? Mm -hmm. um, if that's true, you've got to have the consumer data, and that would say, promote the bottom using the marketing you have and don't, you know, put it out there as either a trend and not a markdown. If you've got information that your customer just like a bikini bottom is just not going to buy the bottom without the top, then you've got to understand the pricing. Some retailers are like, I can afford to hold it. And omni-channel sometimes allows you to do that because we do know online customers buy more in season. So we recently had a very leading surf brand on the West Coast decide to hold because they're discovering their customer would prefer to buy bikinis in May instead of January, which we've all known, but that's one of those retail riddles. Bathing suits are usually sold in the US in January. So yeah. um, you might have to change what you're thinking. And I think that's why, Joe, one of the interesting things that we're seeing with the data, but retailers are gonna start to talk about, this could transform the old norms of retail forever. Like we may, again, coats in July and bathing suits in January might end. What are you hearing? And this is the follow-up and I think there's a really good um, discussion here and a good example that you just gave. What are you hearing about in terms of the level of collaboration, obviously that is necessary within, in, within organizations. So between merchant teams and supply teams, and then obviously to the marketers about what is promoted and when, and you know, um, so tell us like, what you're hearing from your clients or just kind of, you know, across the, the, the industry in terms of, do you think there is enough collaboration between teams to make these strategic decisions when it comes to buying and getting product and what you're promoting? Uh, any thoughts there, Juliana? Yeah. So I think that's really interesting. I listened to something we do called like the win interviews. So when sales gets a deal, um, the tech people, so the least sales people we have are, you know, super nerdy engineers will call and set up a, a call, classic mm -hmm. consulting style with the client and go, how did you pick edited? What were the competitive features? What are you hoping to get out of AI? We spend a lot of time with our customers on what we call the VRP. So it's really, you know, the value report proposition. We, before they start the implementation of the software, we sit down and go, what, do you, what are your objectives? And I am surprised at how many times I'm hoping they're gonna say, we can't wait for your new Alexa voice activated AI or something exciting. Yep. They're actually interested in this makes our departments talk to each other. Um, one very, very large global uh, brand and supplier, both a wholesaler and a retailer uh, in their interview that I just read last week basically said, we had powerful data, maybe not as you know, trend and AI driven as what you do, but it would only show us what was going up or down and not why. And we really needed the why. Mm -hmm. um, and the second thing was we weren't getting departments to share this information across each other. So you're helping us see data we probably have, but we, it was taking us too long to create depart, you know, department collaboration. 
Yeah, not only getting the insight behind the data, obviously the why, as you just mentioned, but speed too. Obviously in today's environment, it's critical. Right. Um, and that level of collaboration that's necessary that I don't think, and to your point, I think what you're hearing from a lot of clients is that wasn't happening to the degree it needed to be do- happening. So this is this tool is really helping to facilitate that collaboration. Yeah, and listen, we all know retail tech is going to be uh, a high growth area and there's lots of ways that there's incredible ways, you know, just one walk of shop talk and you can see it, but incredible ways that retailers are going to see more tools in front of them. Um, so that's really exciting that AI and uh, really for our industry, that there's incredible investment in new ways to do their business. And for us, it's how can we be granular and bring the latest tech, but also most of our employees on the implementation side, on the customer success side, came from retail. So we really try and make sure that we pick up the phone and are side by side with retailers um, speaking the same language because you yeah. don't need a solution that came from the automotive industry and you know is too hard to, to get done. And retailers have to really worry, to your point, Joe, about speed. It has to be fast. Yeah. And you understand, you know, having a lot of your, your customer success team, as you noted, like yourself, coming from a retail background, having worked on that side, you understand their pain points and you're able to kind of help alleviate them because you, you've been there before. We've touched on it briefly. Uh, I wanted to follow up on kind of what we're seeing in terms of inflation, price increases, you know, across the supply chain, not only cost of goods, but transporting those goods from freighters and um, so tell us a little about um, what you're seeing in terms of inflation and how that's impacting supply chain decisions and what we might see as we head into 2022. Yeah, I think it's a great question. Listen, it's a big worry. Um, I would say we haven't talked about you know, pricing and sustainability or two area, other areas besides inventory that are really worrying um, our top retailers. I would say that one is to really understand where you have to pass on the costs and what else you're giving the retailer, the customer in terms of experience if you do have to pass on the cost. So let's look at that complexity for a second. You've got fabric charges. So cotton is up, um, some blended fabrics are up, tech fabrics are up. Then you have supply chain disruptions and more expensive if you're airing now, Uh, because of seasonality, if you are worried about trucks because of distances. So you've now got four or five inputs that the CFO is seeing and challenging the teams on their pricing of costs. But you also have a highly competitive environment, instability in terms of exactly where your customer is going to go, and then the customer chasing particular trends. So it's not an option. when we're working with retailers, we are not recommending that they pass all that cost on to the customer. Um, And because there's no guarantee that your competitor will, it could be a loss of share for you. So if if brands were working on customer experience before this disruption, they need to double down on that. That's where their money needs to go. Customers are gonna want the sizes they want, the trends they want, Uh, the experience they want. And you've got to focus on that. So if you've got to raise the price X percent, you've got to make sure you're also raising the customer experience. So it's not the time to cover your cost by reducing staff in store. It's not the time to cover your cost um, by changing 
your shipping offers. It's the time to think about what's driving the customer. And some of the ways you can see that are look at your products, not just on the website, you're the e-commerce director. Don't just look at what's your top sellers on the first page of your website. You've got to either use a data system like we offer or find another way where you're going to go all the way to the back and understand what's on the 30th page of your website and see if there's customers shopping there. You've got to know what people are willing to pay full price for because if you reduce your promotions, you don't have to raise the prices by so much. If you offer, if you do raise the prices, you have to add value to the customer, either in terms of shipping or the experience or your follow-up. Yeah, and I would imagine search plays a big factor in that as well, not only on your own individual sites, but also um, Google as well, and, and kind of larger search terms in terms of product and what, what consumers are searching for. 100%, and that's becoming more expensive too. So for marketers, um, the other interesting topic on that show is privacy. So one of the things we're hearing about is it's not as easy now with the new privacy laws, and this is good for consumers, that um, you can be an omni-channel retailer and just pay a third party and get all this data that can chase and retarget that customer. That's no longer gonna be available to you. So that's very interesting and ways that we're trying to help our customers is you've now got to work with what's called zero party data, which means you got it directly from your relationship with the customer. So you have to have ways to, and some people are doing sweepstakes or customer loyalty or you know, a kind of dialogue that is a little bit more personal. So the customer will tell you their preferences. If they tell you their preferences, you don't have to pay that third party. So that's helpful for you. But then you really know what they want. And then you're going to need systems that help you store that, you know, they call it a data lake, right? Help you store it and feed it to your teams in easy to use dashboards. So you understand what that customer really wanted. Yeah. Surveys, another example of ways to get that valuable zero quizzes, this zero party data that you talk about directly from the customer. And obviously with the upcoming deprecation of third party cookies, this is gonna it's gonna become even more of a challenge for retailers. So um, start thinking about that now. Uh, 100%. Yeah, and you mentioned Juliana, I wanna wanna close with this one. Let's talk a little bit about the customer because you alluded to that uh, and consumer buying behavior. I'm interested in your kind of insights, your expertise and what you're seeing in terms of current customer uh, behavioral trends and what you're forecasting in 2022 in the new year. Um, do you see sort of this continual shift towards digital, shift towards omni-channel continuing? I, everything I'm hearing and seeing just kind of plays that out even further as we go what, what are your thoughts there and, and how can retailers kind of address and, and stay on top of, of these trends that um, these shifts in consumer behavior? Yeah, great question. So I think there's a couple of things. Omni channels here to stay. And I think the word is omni, meaning customers will want to buy where they want to buy. So that's in retail stores, that is online, that is on their phones, um, that is voice activated on their phones. So the customer wants it where it's convenient, but I first advice to retailers is one, uh, one size does not fit all. Meaning if people love you at Nordstrom or Urban Outfitters because multi-generations can shop together or you can use the credit card, then understand 
why and when the customer goes to the store versus shops online. And why? Because then you know where to reach them. Then you know where to put that relationship. So if you're a brand that sees its number go to 50-50, for an example, then you know that your customer loyalty program has to work both in-store and online something simple like that. Right. Um, if you know that supply chain is going to disrupt your sizes, so you're an intimate apparel where, you know, I would argue sizes incredibly matter. Same with denim. You've got to make sure that you have maybe three ways to own the supply chain and keep up your uh, positive customer experience. So initiate a pre-order program, be able to have the data so you can reach your customers when their sizes are available, talk to them about their size. Um, promote when it's broken sizes and create opportunities that are counterinflationary for someone who, you know, it doesn't normally find their size, that they can get a special value because uh, their size is now on sale. Those are some great examples. Um, I want to uh, close by asking you, Juliana, to just if there is further uh, insights or information that our audience wants to know about edited, um, tell us where they can best read that information, get that information so that they can continue the conversation with edited. Oh, that's great. Well, we do two things. We have an incredible trend newsletter and a dashboard on our website, edited.com, that's free. Um, I would tell you that we have thousands of followers of that just who are interested in what's happening with retail trends and what the data is showing. So I encourage anyone to sign up for that. Um, and then also through our website, you can ask for a demo and play for yourself with some of the um, AI-driven technology, both on the market trend and uh, how it could work for your company with enterprise data. Great. Some, some great resources for our audience to check out. I want to take the opportunity to thank Juliana Prather, the Chief Marketing Officer at Edited for joining us on this episode of Total Retail Tech Insights. Thank you, Juliana. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please check out our podcast channel page at mytotalretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Tech Insights is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Total Retail Tech Insights.